You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Useless information. Hi, I'm Steve Silverman, and you're listening to a classic episode of the Useless Information Podcast. You're about to hear one of the most popular episodes that I've ever recorded. I don't know why. Um, it was released back on June 6th of 2010, and it's titled Death by Exploding Playing Cards. Well, I guess that reveals quite a bit about the story. Now, before I play the audio, I just want to give a quick update. And that's because when I first researched this, there was conflicting information about the subject's age in the press. Well, the check of the California Death Index, which I didn't have online access to years ago, confirms that William Kogo was 36 years old at the time of his demise. In addition, I have colorized one of his prison photos, so just head on over to my website, that's uselessinformation.org, and you can see the picture there. Welcome to the Useless Information Podcast, my collection of fascinating true stories from the flip side of history. My name is Steve Silverman, and today's story is one that I've titled Death by Exploding Playing Cards. But before we do that, let's start with today's question of the day. For today's question of the day, I thought I'd ask you about hairstyles. Now, there have been many classic hairstyles throughout history, but it's rare that history really records the first person to have a particular style. You know, everyone's familiar with the Aniston trend that Jennifer Aniston started among women uh, a number of years back. But my question for you today is which of the following is attributed to a woman named Barbara Terry, much less famous person. A woman named Barbara Terry started one of these following hairstyles. Was it one, the perm, two, the afro, three, dreadlocks, or four, the mohawk? Which one of those is attributed to a woman named Barbara Terry? Was it one, the perm, two, the afro, three, dreadlocks, or four, the mohawk? And I have never had any of those, by the way. And I'll leave you in suspense until the end of this podcast for the answer. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And now for today's story that has the very unusual title, Death by Exploding Playing Cards. 
Now, before I tell you the story, my I should tell you that my wife complained to me after my last podcast that I've been talking way too much about dead rich women. I'm not sure why that is. I guess it just one story leads to another in my mind. And of course, she's the first one to hear just about all these stories. So she's hearing a lot more of it than you are. So for this podcast, I thought I'd move away from dead rich people to people that are just plain dead. And I assure you, this one is a truly bizarre story. It's one that you probably remember for a very long time. So let's get to it. Uh, today's story begins back on the evening of May 29th, 1930. Now, that was a Thursday, not that it really has any significance to what I'm about to tell you. But what is important is that a woman named Mrs. Mame Guthrie was slashed to death with a pocket knife while she was in the kitchen of her San Mateo, California rooming house. And it appears that there was a great struggle uh, you know, prior to her death. Her body was discovered by her husband, Archie, but he was never considered a suspect in the case. Almost immediately, one of her tenants, a Polish logger named William Kogut, was arrested for her murder. And I was never able to figure out his actual age. When he was arrested, the press reported that he was 40 years old. At the trial, the articles all said he was either 35 or 36. Yet, when he died, almost all of the newspapers claimed that he was 22 years old. Now, he may have found the fountain of youth, but it just seems unlikely in this case. The most obvious thing about Kogut when he was arrested is that he was smashed out of his mind. He said that he was guilty and he held the belief that he should be hanged for his crime. He was quoted by the district attorney at the time, a guy named J.A. McGregor, as stating, and it's a quote, it's a life for life and I think you fellows ought to hang me. And that's the end of the quote. Sounds really guilty, doesn't he? Yet, when the trial started, Kogut had a complete about face. He testified that he had absolutely no recollection of any of the events that occurred between the time Mrs. Guthrie first served him the alcohol and when he was ultimately taken into custody. He also claimed to have no recollection of having confessed to the slayings, and as a result, he pleaded not guilty. He may have changed his tune up on the witness stand, but his guilt was nearly certain, and the trial lasted just three days. Kogut's lawyer argued for nearly an hour to give him a reduced sentence of life imprisonment instead of death. It took the jury of nine men and three women 23 hours to deliberate his case, and they became deadlocked on the life sentence versus death recommendation. On Monday morning, June 17, 1930, Kogut was found guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced to death. But of course, a stay of execution was granted almost immediately pending an appeal to the California State Supreme Court. He was transferred to death row and became prisoner number 1651 at the famous San Quentin prison. But Kogut had no intention of letting the state of California decide his fate. Facing an almost certain death from the hangman's noose, Kogut decided that he wanted to go out on his own terms. And he did so in one of the most ingenious gallow-beating schemes ever. I guess that is if you want to call suicide a gallow-beating success. Anyway, on the evening of October 19, 1930, a large explosion rocked Kogut's prison cell and much of the surrounding area. Newspaper reports at the time claimed that it shook the warden's home some thousand yards away. Panic quickly ensued, alarms went off, and eight other men on death row were, were hurried from their bunks to safety. The only injury was to Kogut himself, and it was bad. Very bad. The explosion had destroyed his cell, and the shrapnel ripped through the right side of his face and skull. 
it was clear that he would not survive very long. He was rushed to the prison hospital and remained unconscious for several hours until his death at 2.30 a.m. on October 20th. So now the big question becomes, how did he do it? San Quentin had been extremely careful by not allowing any material into the prison that could conceivably be used to commit suicide. But sometimes one needs to think outside the box. Maybe outside the box isn't the correct term. In this case, it was into the box, into a box of ordinary playing cards. But before I tell you what Koga did, I need to take a slight detour from a story to tell you about nitrocellulose. That's the same stuff that is used to make gun cotton. It was also an ingredient when combined with camphor into one of the first commercially successful plastics called celluloid, which just happened to be invented where I live in Albany, New York. And it started showing up in a wide range of products in the 1920s and 1930s. Now, if you stop to think about it, it's pretty scary to think that the same stuff that was used as propellant for firearms and rockets could also be made into motion picture film, wound dressing, nail polish, and even faux billiard balls. The explosive nature of nitrocellulose is the reason that early movie film tended to burst into flames when placed you know, for too long of a period near a heat source, in particular the projection lamp. My wife and I were just watching uh, Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards last night, and there actually was a nice little segment on there on how you know, film would just burst into flames. Also famously, uh, early imitation billiard balls were made of the celluloid, and when they would impact each other, occasionally they would explode. Of course, today nitrocellulose has been replaced by more stable plastics, but it's still used to make things like uh, ping pong balls and guitar picks. So it's still out there, just not nowhere near as popular as it used to be. Which leads us right back to our story because nitrocellulose was used at the time as a lacquer in playing cards. And somehow Koga learned of this and decided to use the explosive nature of nitrocellulose to his advantage. It's believed that Kogut ripped up the playing cards into tiny pieces, then soaked them in water and ultimately squeezed the mixture into a pulp. He then somehow managed to remove one of the hollow legs off of his bed and sealed one of the ends. And then using a broomstick, he rammed the pulp tightly into the pipe, just like he was loading the muzzle of a musket. The other end then was tightly sealed off. Kogut's final step was to relight the lamp in his cell and place the bomb into the flame. With his head lying close by, the pipe got hotter and hotter until the nitrocellulose exploded and the damage was done. Two suicide notes were left. The contents of one were, you know, was never revealed to the public, but the other said, and this is a quote, Do not blame my death on anyone because I fixed everything myself. I never give up so long as I am living and have a chance, but this is the end, end of the quote. Clearly, Koga knew that he didn't have a chance. Useless, useful, I'll leave that for you to decide. And now, a few words from our retro sponsor. Keep it clean with energy. Ladies, are those white shoes you're wearing really white, or will you be embarrassed next time you wear them? You can make them white. White has driven snow by using Energine Shoe White. You see, Energine Shoe White does two important jobs, not just one. It cleans as it whitens. It's true. At the very same time that Energine Shoe White gives your shoes a snowy white radiance, it also cleans them beautifully. So don't spoil your appearance this summer by wearing half-clean shoes, shoes that look white here and flocky there. Use Energine Shoe White. It actually makes dirt and smudges disappear while it whitens your shoes. 
and it whitens them evenly with a fleecy white finish that's the same from toe to heel. Energine Shoe White is easy to use, goes on in a jiffy, and there's nothing that stays on better. Remember, keep it clean with Energine. That commercial for Energine Shoe White is from the August 10th, 1945 episode of Backstage Wife. It's titled Mary and Larry See a 20-Year-Old Portrait That Looks Exactly Like Mary. Wow, that's a long title. Anyway, the commercial reminded me of my parents, and that's why I stuck it in there. Because as a kid, I remember seeing bottles of shoe whitener lying around the house. And knowing me, I was trying to drink them, and that's why my mom brought it to my attention. She used to tell me that white shoes were incredibly popular when she was younger, but of course had gone out of style. Of course, those bottles are long gone. They dried out and were thrown out somewhere along the line. Uh, Energy and Shoe White was available as both a liquid and a cream. Now, the last advertisement I could find for it was from July of 1959, so we have to assume that it was discontinued at that point. Now, from what I can figure out, which may or may not be correct, is probably incorrect, Energene was a naphtha-based product line, and at various times it was sold as a charcoal lighter fluid, a dry cleaning fluid, the shoe whitener you just heard about, and believe it or not, the name still exists today as a spot remover. Whether or not it's all the same product, or there's been variations on the formula, or they just capitalized on the name here and there, uh, I really don't know, but the name is still around. At the time, I only felt a punch. I think everything went wrong. His drug of choice was heroin. Binging and purging over and over and over. Evaluate you, and if you're okay to go, they're going to let you go. This is Justin, and I do the Peripheral Podcast. I have a true crime background, but when telling the stories of true crime, sometimes you have to gloss over topics like mental illness, drug addiction, sexual assault. And I feel like we do that in life too. So this podcast is my attempt to bring all of these topics that are on the peripheral into the mainstream. So please join me wherever you listen to podcasts. And now for a few totally useless yet totally true tidbits from history. It's time for like to call news of the weird past. And our first little tidbit goes back to December 10th, 1938. It was reported that Dr. William T. Black had a heart attack while performing surgery at the Baptist Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee and dropped dead and dropped his instruments. Luckily, his son, William T. Black Jr., who was also a surgeon, wasted no time, picked up the instruments, and completed the surgery successfully. Our next little tidbit is from June 23, 1955. It was reported in Lombard, Illinois, that a great mystery was solved. It seems that for weeks, motorists had been coming into police headquarters to complain that they received a parking ticket for a parking spot that still had time on the meter. It turns out that a 13-year-old boy named Thomas Call had been putting pennies into the meters after the cars were ticketed, simply because he felt sorry for the motorists. Tom's penalty for this good deed was that he had to place $2 worth of pennies into 20 parking meters. Our last little tidbit is from June 23, 1986. It was reported that Los Angeles resident Robert Barber had received over 2,500 parking tickets from all over the state, mostly for places he had never been and for vehicles he never owned. It turns out that he was a sailing enthusiast and applied for personalized license plates. He wanted, to, wanted the plates to bear either the word sailing or boating. 
but the application asked for a third choice and he didn't have one, so he simply wrote no plate. In other words, he didn't want the license plates if sailing or boating were not available. He got exactly what he asked for. He got license plates that said no plate on them. And it turns out that he was getting tickets for cars that really didn't have license plates on them. The officers simply wrote no plate on the citations. Then, of course, he got back to DMV. DMV looks it up in their computers, and they found out that the person that owned no plate was Barber, and therefore all the tickets were sent to him. And now the answer to today's question of the day. And I asked you about hairstyles and which one Barbara Terry is credited with starting. Was it one, the perm, two, the afro, three, dreadlocks, or four, the mohawk? So which one did you choose? It turns out that Barbara Terry is credited with being the first person to have an afro back in 1960. It seems that the Bronx teenager had a hot date and no time to do her hair up in the usual manner. But luckily, her dad owned a hairdressing salon called Nelson's Tonsorial Parlor. You never hear a name for a hairdressing salon like that today. Eventually, of course, uh, that frizzed-out style caught on, and the rest is history. Now, what always amazes me about afros, every once in a while I have a student that has one, uh, not many today, uh, is that they can store things in there. And I had a student a few years ago, he would always put his pens and pencils in there, and he's like, I, don't, I can't find my pencil. And he goes searching through his hair, and there would be his pencil. Kind of cool. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's unusual story called Death by Exploding Playing Cards, as well as our question of the day on hairstyles, listening to our retro sponsor, Energene Shoewhite, and the news of the weird past tidbits uh, on the uh, doctor that dropped dead while performing surgery, the parking meter mystery, and why you should never own the no-plate personalized license plates. If you'd like to read more true stories just like this, be sure to get a copy of one of my books. They are Einstein's Refrigerator and Lindbergh's Artificial Heart. Both are written by me, Steve Silverman, and they're available from your local bookseller, online, and from your local library. And as always, if you, uh, for some reason, would like to get in touch with me, simply drop me an email at useless at steve.silverman.name. That's useless at steve.silverman.name. Or you can visit my website, which is uselessinformation.org. That's uselessinformation.org. And lastly, as always, I'd appreciate if you could log into iTunes and leave some positive comments to help increase the number of listeners to this podcast. It continues to grow. Thanks again for listening. Bye.